but I'm going to introduce James in just a few minutes. So we will uh, kick off with the, the Bible reading first. Uh, if you haven't joined us for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called The Master's Class, learning to make disciples from Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus didn't get to Matthew 28 where he commissioned the disciples and said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these others to do the same. He didn't get to that point with no training. And leaving the disciples wondering, how do we do that? He had been training them for the, that exact task the whole way along. And there's so much in the Gospels, which is practical training for us. And so this is a bit of a classroom uh, for uh, the next few weeks in the lead up to Easter. And James is going to be sharing with us uh, a message which I hope and believe is going to be really helpful. Um, but um, Beck, why don't you come up and read the scripture for us first? Actually, yeah, if you want to grab that mic, that'd be great. Morning, everyone. Um, I'm reading from uh, John chapter 4, verse 39 to 42, if you want to read along. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jimmy. So this is my mate James. Hi James. Hello. Hello. G'day Luke. Um, James is a... uh, pastor somewhere. So James, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, sure. uh, your family, yep. your, and then where you hang out on Sundays usually. Yep, fine. Um, my name's James Duff and I'm married to the wonderful Jane. Uh, we've got three boys and uh, I am a pastor of a church called The Common and we are uh, really reaching out to the city of Melville to all 13 suburbs and uh, starting in Willoughby is where we've really gone. And Melville itself, I live in Melville. Uh, And Palmyra and a few other areas. Yeah, and uh, so we're going for four years. We're a sort of a a missional community type church. We know each other through all of those links for probably the last 10 years. Um, And uh, yeah, that's what I normally do and we'll be doing today because we meet in the afternoon. So on Sunday morning, I'm usually at a cricket game at one of my sons. One of them's playing a grand final today. Caught on the boundary for eight. He's in, they're in big trouble. They're going to lose. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> so that's my Sundays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So yeah. the church has been going for four years. Uh, yeah, just. So there's yeah. about seven people then. Uh, we've grown to seven. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that about, about that. Yeah, about that. No, not far, not far wrong, mate. Um, I'm not a great... Uh, yeah, if numbers is the ga- key, then I'm not a great church planter. <laughs> no. But, um, <laughs> But, no, that's uh, not true at all. Yeah. Um, so, James, you're, you are, you're a church planter, as you said, yes. and the church has just been going for four years. Yeah. And um, so tell, tell us a little bit, what, what's your kind of heart and your passion um, when it comes to yeah. ministry and God and people? Sure. Um, I think that my passion, I'll give you the right answer, is the Lord Jesus. And um, 
Um, and I'll tell you more about him in my message, but that's what really drives me. I love the gospel and what it really is and what it, what it means and what it means for us today because without it, we're dead. Uh, and so uh, that's really what drives me. And then people say I'm an evangelist, sort of apostolic type a bit. I don't really know if that's 100% true, but I do like to tell people about Jesus so I think that that probably lands me in the evangelist sort of area uh, so that's what I, I love to do yeah awesome so I, I thought James would be a great person to come and speak into this series which we have been talking a lot about sharing our faith and Jesus actually training us to make disciples but what I what I appreciate about it James is that James is naturally the sort of person who is is great at sharing his faith and loves to do that um, but I've never found James to be somebody who disempowers other people in fact quite the opposite I've always found you to be someone who as someone with that as your strength and that is your gift you've always always helped ordinary less competent people like me actually feel like, oh, I can do this too, this simple way. So, mm. so uh, that's one of the reasons I thought it would be great to have Jimmy here. Very nice thing to say, Luke. While I'm sitting here watching you run this church, I think, oh, man, I wish I had the, your giftings. You, you do a, a, a beautiful job and lovely sermon around communion as well, so I don't even feel like I have to preach, but very anyway, good. that was very good. <laughs> yeah, I just stole what another guy did this week at communion. No, did you? Yeah. So. Don't give away all your tricks, mate. <laughs> So, uh, Father, we just pray that you would uh, speak to us through James this morning, uh, that as you, as you uh, give him this space to uh, share from the scriptures, um, that you would soften his heart and lead his words and his mind this morning by your Holy Spirit, and that you would speak through him to us, that you would help us to have soft hearts and open ears and minds to receive what you would want to give us as a gift this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate that. Um, probably good just to have, I don't know if you have paper Bibles anymore, if that's a thing, um, but uh, keep it open at John 4, and, or flick your phone on and have John 4 in front of you. I think that'd be a helpful place. I like to try and think I'm a bit of an expository preacher, if you know what that means. I just like to stick to the text, and I'm not really going to today. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's good that if we've got it open there. Um, my goal today, my goal today is not to inspire you uh, into mission. My goal is not to inspire you today. Uh, into mission. Now, mission is going on a task that's considered very important. And the task is to tell people about Jesus, to be witnesses uh, for him, to make disciples, to be salt and light, all that sort of thing. But my goal is not to inspire you to be on mission. Uh, nor is my goal to guilt you uh, into mission. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He'll do that. No. Um, <laughs> That's not my goal either. Uh, you might be the family or the single who gets here maybe twice a month. Uh, you're committed to the billabong, but life is just damn busy. Uh, when you get here, you're always late. You get here halfway through the second song or notices. Uh, if you have kids, your kids are the worst behaved ever kids in Sunday school. Uh, when you sit here, you think, oh my goodness, this is great not having them, but gee, I feel sorry for the Sunday school teachers. 
Uh, and now you've got some bloke, some, I'm an, Ang- I'm an ordained Anglican minister, as a matter of fact, not that I run an Anglican church, but now you've got an Anglican telling you uh, that you've got to go on mission. But man, I bet you you can't stand that family who gets here, actually, not even on time. They get here before time. Always smiling family, I call them. The always smiling family. They pray before the service. As a family, they come in the, probably the Tarago, and together (laughs) singing hymns, listening maybe to Colin Buchanan on the CD. (laughs) If you still do that anymore, or even Bluetooth or whatever it is. They kids, they sit perfectly up the front here and they recite the catechism together before Luke gets up. You know the family, the smiley family, the Brady Bunch family. Well, maybe you are a bit of the Brady Bunch family as well. Maybe you're serious about Jesus. You see your life as being on mission for Jesus. And my goal is not to make you feel great about yourself because as soon as you do... Uh, you'll feel superior to that almost pagan family that I described earlier. <laughs> Maybe deep down you think, if, if that pagan-like family could just be a little bit more like ours, this church could actually work. <laughs> Maybe you thank God you're not like that family. Now, this is a sermon. This is a, a, a talk or a... I wouldn't call it a master class. Let's just call it a class. But um, this is a sermon for both types of families or both types of people, those who are just hanging on and those who are thinking they're really smashing it, those who are just hanging on and those who are really just uh, think they might be really kicking goals. Because John's the author of this gospel, John's gospel, and up to this point, he has intended to contrast two Uh, different character types of people uh, who both come face to face with Jesus. The woman at the well, chapter 4, and she can't even make it to church on time. She's all over the place like a mad woman's knitting, just can't make it. And then there's the rigid bloke, all right, that's Nicodemus. In chapter 3, always on time. His theology is impeccable. And so is his tie. He, like, he is the man. He is learned, he's respected, he's powerful, he's orthodox, he's theologically trained. He's a religious giant. And the woman is uneducated, without influence, despised and marginalised. Nicodemus is a man He's powerful in that time, and even today, being a man, he's powerful. He's a powerful man, a Jew, a pure blood, a ruler. She's a woman, a Samaritan, a racial half-breed, an outcast. One sees themselves on mission already for God. One sees themselves a long way from God. A hired help, maybe, but definitely not a daughter of the living king. And both are dead without Jesus. The religious and the irreligious. Both need their hearts 
circumcised again, cut open, melted, crushed by the gospel of the saviour of the world. And that's who we have in today's reading. Both characters need to be born again. Both characters need living water. And we're no different. It's what we need. We need to be drinking living water over and over if we are to be on mission for Jesus. And it's only, friends, it's only the good news of Jesus that drives the mission. Nothing else. So my goal is that God might melt our hearts again. Would he be so gracious just to come in here on Sunday, March, whatever it is, and just slice them open again? So he will then send us on mission. See, the story goes that uh, Jesus and his mates, his disciples, uh, are are heading through a a region called Samaria. Uh, When I went to school, one of the most derogatory and racist insults you could be called, uh, I went to a boarding school, was a half-caste. That was someone of, of mixed race. It's, it was and it still is demeaning and dehumanising. The, the object of it is that somehow someone is only h- half a human. And this is how Jewish people of the day saw Samaritans, the very area that Jesus and his disciples are walking through. Samarians, um, their lineage was a mix of Assyrian and Jewish blood, you can learn more about that if you read Two Kings. But that's, that's, their, that's their bloodline. They're a mixed race. And it's just fair to say that there was a deep divide or hatred between the Jew, Jews and the Samaritans. And the disciples had stopped for food. Pulled into the 7-Eleven and they'd stopped for food. And Jesus let the, let the disciples go off and do the food stuff. And he rested at a well. And he meets a woman who's drawing water. And he strikes up a conversation. And he quickly guides it into a spiritual conversation. Now, I've got tools I can teach you how to do that. How to take conversations from nothing to spiritual conversations in, like, two questions. But I'm not about the technique today. We're about Jesus. This is what he does. And he exposes her sin and her deep need for him. Now, if you know the story of the woman at the well, remember, he exposes a sin where it says, you've been married five times, and now you're shacked up with another dude. Remember him saying that? You've had five five husbands. See, this is an important point. Many people have thought that because... Because of the five husbands, and now the the sixth shack up, um, that was due to her being morally loose, being an adulteress. That's not the case. There's just no evidence for that. It's it's highly likely uh, was that these previous five marriages had ended due to divorce or death of the husband. And both scenarios are just a terrible scenario for a woman in those days. 
Uh, usually it would mean if she was widowed or divorced, uh, she had no way of providing for herself, and so she'd go into poverty. And not just probably into poverty, then she probably would go into prostitution. And so she's hanging on for dear life with number six. You don't even have to be my husband. I'll just live with you. She's desperate. And Jesus then presents himself as this promised Messiah. And immediately she leaves and goes on mission and tells people about who he is. And this is where we land in today's reading. When we hear how this Jesus virus, this virus, it's probably right to talk about viruses at the moment, the Jesus virus has just sneezed out. It's just spread. And it's just spreading to Samaria. And all of a sudden, people are coming to faith because of a woman's testimony. Now, this woman... Uh, I think she's got three characteristics that I want to touch on that I think will help us in mission. Three characteristics. First one, hopefully the camera, you can see that at home. Excellent, fantastic. Uh, Number one, this woman at the well receives... Can you see that there? Is that bad? Is all right? Receives the... Now, it's an M. Messenger. She receives the messenger. Why? Because he loves her. How does he love her? Is a clue. It's in verse 7, if you've got chapter 4 open. He asks for a drink. Just remember this. She's a Samaritan. She's a she. She's a woman. She's living with a man, not her husband. This is the trifecta of sin and brokenness and struggle. She's got it all in spades. Jesus is a man, a rabbi. He doesn't go near a woman, especially in the middle of the day. But we also know that she is speaking with the one... We know as Christians reading this, she's speaking to the one who said now and the earth was formed and the stars came into existence. That's who she's talking to. Friends, do you see what Jesus is doing? He doesn't just get down next to her on her level. That's scandalous. He's not just doing that. He's actually going below her. He's going lower. But that's just off the charts. He does it by asking her for a drink. She's up to her eyeballs in sin. She's the epitome of rejection. Yet Jesus puts himself in her debt. When he says, can you give me a drink? The whole interaction is, is couched in love. It's, it's a complete reversals of the power dynamic. He goes like that, underneath. So number one, she receives the messenger. 
and she can't help it because he's irresistible. (laughs) A man of power, emptying it all, choosing not to use it but to serve her. It's like a marriage, men. Loving her. Number two, the second thing that we see, it's another M. Number two, might try the purple, huh? Let's do purple. Um, It's a a royal colour. Let's receive the message. Okay, so we see this woman. She receives the messenger. Now she receives the message. I'm supposed to be the expert in mission and and evangelism. Um, I've got the CV, but it's worth nothing. Friends, it's seriously toilet paper. Um, Compared with knowing and being known by Jesus. But as the mission so-called expert, I'm going to share one mission secret, just straight up. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves and against God than we ever dared believed. Glad you came. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves and against God than we ever dared believed. Yet, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hoped. the same time we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I just just want you to wrestle with that a little bit. Just let that tug on your heartstrings. Just let that sit there for a minute. Because that's the story of the woman at the well. Jesus loves her, he's gone below her, and he reveals her sin. She can't get out of her sin by herself. The marriages don't work. The sixth husband's not, well, bloke's not going to do it. She can't, even, she can't even get out of the sin by having some, a saviour next to her and helping her. She needs a saviour who will go below her and pull her out of sin. When I was a, when I was a kid... Not that long ago. I'm not quite young adults. I li- would have liked to be in the early 30s, but I'm not anymore. But when I was a kid, back as at like maybe nine, seven or eight or nine, I grew up with two older brothers, one 10 years older than me, one eight years older than me. And that's not right. One's eight and one's six years older than me. Um, and they were very good, well, especially the older one was a very good cricketer, played for Victoria and was a very good cricketer. And... Uh, and then I'm that much younger and I had to play cricket with them. And every time I hit the ball over the fence, I had to get it because I hit it. Fair? But every time I bowled it and my brother hit it over the fence, I had to get it because I bowled it. <laughs> All right? Now, he was always the West Indies. If you're from the 80s, like he was Joel Garner, Malcolm Marshall, Kirtley Ambrose. And I had to be Australia, like Graham Wood. Kim Hughes and like, and um, and uh, and anyway, every time it went over the fence, it was my job. And I'd go up to a fence, and when you're seven or eight or nine, you can't get over the fence. I actually needed, which is what my brothers did. They would just put boost me up, and they'd th- throw me over the fence. 
into the Rottweiler. Uh, no, it wasn't, but they'd, they'd, throw, they'd push me up over, over the fence. It was really nothing I did. It was, it was him doing it all. Maybe not the greatest analogy with the Rottweiler, but that's what Jesus does. He actually, he's the one who does all the work. Uh, this is not a saviour who says, go on mission and then I'll accept you. This is not a saviour who says, do whatever you like and I'll accept you. No, his glorious job is that he goes below the sinner and he drags the sinner out. It's not pretty work. It's not glamorous work. It's the work of a bloody cross at Calvary. It's ugly. It's bloody. It's violent. People turn their faces away and don't want to hear it or see it or hear about it. And that's what he did for us, for you, for me. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is what the Saviour did for the woman at the well, and it's what he's done for us. He goes lower than you, and I don't care with all respect how low you've gone, because he always goes lower, because he's come from higher. This is the God of the universe. He'll go lower every time. He exposes her sin. He exposes our sin. He drags her out. He drags us out. He gives us living water. He gives us a new life, a new identity, a new person, adopted into his family. J.I. Packer died about a year ago. He was a great theologian, and he wrote this about adoption. He said, adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper. And given the family name. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. That's what drives mission. Friends, this needs to melt your heart to go on mission. It's only the good news of Jesus that drives mission. And this is what's happened with, this, with our reading today when these, these Samaritans have, have heard the good news. They say, we know this man really is the saviour of the world. What a line. We really know this man, this man really is the saviour of the world. Jesus is the saviour of the world. He is our saviour. There is only one, no one else, only him. It's him who will drive us on mission to enable us to give our testimonies. Because I can teach you that too. I can teach you how to give your testimony in 15 seconds. Because that's all you need to give and then shut your mouth. This woman gave her testimony, a Samaritan woman nonetheless. And that brings me to that third M. Because the woman at the well receives 
mission. It was him who drove the woman at the well on mission. And the result is, verse 39 in our reading today, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of her testimony. I think it's a real wake-up call for all of us, but can we give our testimony? I'm not after a 40-minute one. I just want, can you tell me what life was like before Jesus and life after? Has the gospel cut our heart again? Have we got a story like that? So she receives the messenger. She receives the message and then she receives the mission. Hopefully I'm not cutting across any of your teaching here, Luke. That's actually what a person of peace is, not someone who likes you. A person of peace, I think they'd be familiar with that language, receives the messenger receives the mission, receives the message and then goes on mission. Or three. And I actually think that this is a strategy that Jesus uses. And if it is a strategy, we should be able to see it in other parts of scripture. And we do. There's other parts. I'm going to... Um, Spin this around. We see it uh, in these other places. We see it, of course, we saw it in John 4, just here. But we also see it in, um, with, uh, in Mark 2 with uh, Levi, the tax collector. We, um, so we see it with Levi. We see it in um, Mark... Where is it? <laughs> Mark 5... Mark 5, uh, and that is with the demoniac. I mean, seriously, who's Jesus using? <laughs> Tax collector, demon-possessed dude, some chick at a well who shouldn't even be talking to. Zacchaeus, uh, in, he's in a few different places, but Luke 19. I mean, seriously, that guy is a shocker and he's short. Um, so <laughs> Zacchaeus, can't even spell it. But we, we, we see it. And then we also, what's really interesting is that then we start to see it happening in Acts. Acts 8. Same thing. Ethiopian. Then we see it in Acts 10 with Cornelius. Same thing. He's the messenger, uh, loves the messenger, loves the message, goes on mission. Uh, Acts 16. Lydia, we've got the jailer as well in Acts 16, both do the same thing, uh, Acts 18, Crispus, cool name, going to call your kid Crispus, um, and so my point being this, because I'm going to finish, my point is this, C- could it be, and I think it is, that Jesus did this and then when he called these people to make disciples in Matthew 28 that you heard about and in Acts 1 and John 20, he actually taught them to do the same thing and they just did that. They just followed the master 
because their hearts have been cut. And they did the same thing. And it's actually a call on us because not only are we, if we're on mission, that we're looking for a person like that, but we're called to be it as well. But we won't be it until our hearts are cut by the Lord Jesus. So I hope I've made, um, I hope I've made a good job of this sermon this morning by you seeing the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of the Lord Jesus, who is a missionary God, because it's only the good news. This is, if you go away with anything, it's only the good news of Jesus. And if it's not good news for you, if it's not good news, you need to pray about this. It's only the good news of Jesus that drives the mission, that'll get you up out of your pews to reach into that harvest field and to tell people about this bloody cross and this resurrected Messiah out into Canning Vale where there's thousands of people who are far from God and whose job it is to call them to Jesus is this church. That's your job. You've been given a job. I hope that in I hope that it in some way encourages you and also challenges you this morning. Because you're loved and you're known. And you've been bought with a price. And you've been adopted into his family and you're a child of the king. All given freely by him. I'm going to pray. So Jesus, we, uh, we look at and we we see this story of you going lower and we pray just this morning, Lord, that our hearts will be open to hearing and sensing your spirit who tells us that you're our father and that you love us and that you've gone low for us. And we pray, Lord, that that will stir our hearts so much that we will just be irresistibly drawn to you and irresistibly going out and telling people about who you are. I thank you for these people at this church, your saints here, Lord. Would you bless them? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.